all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hello and welcome back to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Whether you're driving or listening while uh, you're doing the wash or sneaking some time at work or going to lunch, it's great to have you with us today. We're on at this time every day from 11 to 12 with one of our programs, and this is the original Southern Remedy, the one where we take calls about whatever is on your mind with no special topic. I did want to, and we were, we're available for you at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's better to call if you have a medical question earlier in the program because we uh, the lines tend to get plugged later on, and it's just easier to get your question answered. So uh, please uh, give us a call now if you have a question, or send us an email at one eight uh, at mpbonline. Org, Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org, and we'd love to answer your question as best we can. And if we can't answer it, we can certainly direct you to the right place to get that answer. Over the 10 or so years we've been doing this program, more than 10 now, uh, we have gotten question after question about herbs and other natural products. And for some reason or other, uh, many of us think that they've got to be better or uh, more effective, but certainly more available in health food stores and other places than prescription medicine. So we're always asked what herbal or uh, health food we can uh, eat that will make us healthy. Well, we finally found one, and that is, believe it or not, coffee. Yes, a major, major study in the British Medical Journal recently published, and you can go to that journal online and look at it yourself, uh, finds that coffee, rather than being harmful, is in fact associated with better health and more life years, with better health and more years of life. Okay, so that's pretty amazing. They looked at many thousands of people in a very careful uh, study that had all kinds of statistical controls and found that people who drank three to five cups of coffee a day, either caffeinated or uncaffeinated, uh, tend to be healthier and live longer than people who don't. So if you're looking for, you know, uh, an herbal-like medicine, then coffee is probably the best one we know about, probably certainly better 
than orange juice, which is a sugar drink, and uh, it has a high high glycemic ratio that causes an insulin surge. Uh, That's not the situation with coffee. And, uh, of course, most people can drink coffee. The folks who have problems with it are migraineurs, but that's an unusual problem. So here's some good news for you. If you're looking for uh, an herbal, over-the-counter medicine that you can use on a regular basis that's associated with improved health and health outcomes, then coffee is probably your best choice. So that's my sermon for today. I do have other sermons. You don't want to hear them, uh, but we would love to have you call us and talk a little bit uh, about your issue at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. By the way, we have gotten a slew of emails about gun violence, and everyone is very, very upset about the continuum of slaughter of kids in public schools uh, by people who uh, either or just flat mean or have major mental problems. And actually, this is has gotten to the point now where it has become a part of the medical literature, and uh, especially in pediatrics. And uh, the reason for that is it is such a big problem. There's a very interesting study that was published not long ago. It was a randomized trial of, of children four to seven years old who were taught gun safety and gun avoidance and uh, looked to see if teaching about it could get people to stay away, kids to stay away from guns. Guess, guess what? didn't make any difference. You cannot rely on children to avoid guns, whether they be young children, four to seven years old, or older. Now, there was a study done with uh, 12-year-old boys as well, and uh, because they are attracted to them because, like everything else that they're told they should not be around, uh, that is a challenge. And so they will try to figure out a way to get close to them. And we've had uh, many more uh, deaths and injuries from guns in Mississippi than have been reported uh, because it's just uh, frequently a a taboo issue. It's very embarrassing and, uh, of course, very hurtful to have your child or grandchild injured by a weapon in your home because it has not been appropriately secured. And so anyone that has a weapon in the home has to be really careful about where you can't leave them out. You can't put them in drawers because kids go in drawers and look. Uh, You can't put them under the bed because kids look under the bed. If you're going to have a gun in your home, it has to be secured under lock and key, and you have to make sure that you are the only one that has the key and it is appropriately uh, uh, secure. So I've got a lot more about gun violence. I've got some, some uh, data that will knock your socks off. The number of the, uh, in the most recent data we have on this is that there 
were uh, in 2015, there were 229 unintentional firearm deaths among children less than 15 in the U.S., uh, and these numbers tend to be growing. They are frequently one kid playing with a gun, a brother or sister or family member shooting another. That should ring a lot of bells for us because we've had a lot of that in the Mississippi news lately. And since everybody is arming up, and uh, many people do not have appropriate training, and if they do, they don't use it. Uh, we've got uh, big, big problems uh, for innocent people being shot. So if you have thoughts about that, we'll be happy to talk about that as well. But that's my response to the emails we've been getting. All right, let's go to your house. Y'all, what we got to do to hook you up with us is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we'll pick up the phone. Let's go to Wayne in Long, Long Beach. Hey, Wayne. Hello, Dr. Rick. How you doing? Pretty good. What's happening? Uh, I got my gun and killed about a three-and-a-half-foot moccasin last night. So uh, Whoa. back up, locked it. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what I wanted to call for. I, uh, I was a horticulturist for more years than I care to remember, university system. Did a lot of work on herbs. Uh-huh. And uh, if herbs are grown in Biloxi uh, and Jackson and Stockwell and Memphis, um, they're grown in four different soil types. Uh, they pick up things differently. So when you buy herbs, uh, they're only as good as where they're grown. Uh-huh. And if you plant herbs near an old homestead that might have had lead paint and you don't keep the pH up, you can get lead and stuff in them. Really? So uh, you need, if you're going to grow herbs, uh, you got to grow your own, whatever, you know, smoking them or drinking them or whatever you're going to do. Make sure that pH is above 6 to 6.5, and uh, don't plant any near an old house. Okay. Well, thanks, and, uh, thanks for that. Up, they take up a lot of different things according to where they're grown, and they are never standardized by the USDA. So you're, pay your money and take your chance. Gotcha. And thank you for that comment. I had no idea that they could take up heavy metals, so I learned something on that one. Thank you very much for that call and those uh, that's we grow herbs at our house because we uh, my wife likes to chop them up and put them in foods and we use a raised bed with um carefully uh, under carefully controlled conditions using this uh, specialized potting soil that's made for that and i guess if you that that was uh, a a uh, accidental uh, way to protect yourself from this not knowing that they can do that so that's that's very helpful thank you for your your call let's go to memphis and k hey k hey I, I i got in early today good what's on your mind well two things one i have an announcement to make you'll be proud of me okay I'm 87 and a half, and I not only gave up my keys, I sold my car. <laughs> Voluntarily. Voluntarily. Well, that's great. Well, I we have Uber now. To drive. Well, I sold, I had the message in my madness. Mm-hmm. I sold it to an ex-neighbor of mine 
who uh, I've known them for 18 years, and they've always stepped in to help me out whenever necessary. Mm. So he is now going to be my chauffeur whenever That is wonderful. That is wonderful. To the doctor or, or, you know, to the grocery store or something. So they're taking care of Well, let me just, let me, before you make your other comment, let me just respond to that because uh, I think that is very generous of you uh, to do. There are, uh, there is the ability to get driver's tests uh, both privately and publicly for seniors. Uh, you can get the free ones from the uh, driver's license thing. I think they have to be scheduled um, and to see how capable you are of driving. There are all these simulators and other things that, that are available. So there, there are options to find out whether it's time. Most people know, uh, especially if they have eye problems or they start forgetting where they're going, that it's time. But unfortunately, many people don't know uh, that they uh, are not as capable as they used to be. Their reaction times normally drop off as you get older. So whereas you would slam on the brakes uh, sooner, um, then you don't do that. Here is a plus for that. And uh, as as some of you know, I'm also a geriatrician. And one of the things that I am recommending for my patients who are seniors that want to continue to drive is not only to have uh, a driver's test, but to, to buy one of the newer cars that has all of the aids on it so far as driving. And those are very helpful. The side view uh, mirrors that beep if somebody's in your blind space, the automatic stop options when somebody slams on the brakes in front of you. They really do work. I know I've used them. Uh, those are great, great advances uh, in automobiles that can help you. So thanks for that comment and keying that response. What was the other thing you I wanted to say? I, wait, I just don't want to drive anymore. I don't I blame you. Drive, I had a driver... He he died of a heart attack. He was only 52, bless his heart. Oh, anyway, my goodness. And we called it driving Miss Daisy. And I said, yeah, but Miss Daisy sits in the front seat this time. So, yeah, well, you and, you made a wise decision. You made a yeah, wise decision. Yeah, I just decision. don't want to. The traffic here in Memphis and on the interstate, gosh, you take your life into your hands. Yeah. Okay, that's that. Now, the other thing is, can you give me any idea what is happening with my blood pressure? For one solid month, I have not, except on two occasions, I have not had to take my blood pressure medicine. It has just been right on the spot in the 120s and the 130s. Hmm. Uh, what was it before? Uh, before? Well, it would start out, and it would go up, and it'd go up into the 140s and 50s, and I'd take my medicine, and it was just really just all over the place. And uh, it's just been behaving fine, and I don't know of anything that I have done. Do you think it's because you stopped driving? Oh, no, I have not (laughs) driven a car in a year and a half. Well, that's what what Jay White, our producer, wanted to know. That that certainly would drop my blood pressure significantly, just not having to fool with the traffic. Uh, Let me let me let me speak to that. the uh, and I mentioned this to you when you talked about your blood pressure going up and down last week. Uh, there are some people who have labile hypertension that goes up and down. Those people are uh, at risk for developing chronic hypertension. But the people who have labile hypertension and somewhere have normal uh, blood pressure mixed in there. 
just taking your blood pressure can jack your blood pressure up. What you've done is the white coat phenomena that we see in the office. Yeah, and I know about that. <laughs> so you look at I have I have several patients who uh, call me up hysterically and say that you know just like I told them to take your blood pressure while I adjust your medicine every morning. They take it and it's a little bit high, and then they take it, it gets higher, and then they take it again, and it gets higher, and then they just freak out because you know they're releasing all these stress hormones because of that. So it may be that some of that was in there. You, you are a very very perfectionistic person. I know that from talking with you before and people who are perfectionistic and want to do things right uh, when your blood pressure is not right that can drive it up another thing that can do it is salt that can be a big big difference if you're eating a lot of processed foods frozen uh, foods that are processed especially meats uh, then that can uh, can affect your blood pressure. Exercise is a big, big variable that can drop your blood pressure significantly if you start an ex- exercise problems, uh, a program. Uh, people who have had heart attacks frequently have uh, lower blood pressure, uh, but not uh, uh, but they have symptoms, and you haven't had that. Uh, most ninety percent of them, but if uh, but your blood pressure is in the normal range, so I think you should enjoy that and not worry about it. What do you think? I've had to take my medication was at night, and one time it just kept going up and it got up into the one seventies. I said, "The heck with that!" I took my medicine and went to bed. That was and another good. time it got up to one forty and it just sat there, and I thought, oh, "Okay, you go cut up on me." Yeah, so I just took my medicine and went to bed, and that's over a month's period of time. Yeah, so, well, I'm just glad it's normalized. I would continue to take it episodically. So, thank you so much for all the information. You continue to provide. Good to hear from you today. Uh, okay, so let's go to Vicksburg. I knew that someone would have some comments on my gun comments. John, what's yours? My husband, sir, how you doing? Good morning, and thank you for call, uh, taking my call. Sure, thank you for calling. Yeah, but my my uh, my belief is that it is an answer to the court, to, to to solve it, and that to have the NRA to sit in maybe with the with the cabinet, with the Republicans and the Democrats to sit in with them. Because it's going to get worse, sir. And uh, not only that, if it happens to one of these NRA people's children, it's definitely going to be some some kickback. They're going to think of something. So it's not going to get any better. Yeah. It's going to get worse. Sir. Well, I, 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 uh, I, I'm going to try to stay out of the politics, although I totally support what you're saying. Um, so I guess I didn't. But uh, the the data actually support what you're saying. This problem is is getting bigger and bigger because uh, especially because of the fact that people have armed up thinking that there may be, you know, they've been listening to radio and some crazy people saying uh, they're going to take our guns away, which is never going to happen in our country. Uh, and uh, because it's in the Constitution, you'd have to rewrite it. So uh, everybody's arming up, and a lot of people that don't know what they're doing are getting a hold of guns, and a lot of older people uh, in my generation are leaving the guns around in drawers by their bed, and their grandkids come over, and the kids pick the guns up, and, oh, Lord of mercy, uh, that can re- that can really be a problem. So a lot of it is... Um, you know, gun safety, 
But the deal with these mass shootings is a whole different thing now that we have all of these uh, semi-automatic guns. Uh, used to, if you were crazy, you could kill two or three people, but now you can kill, you know, 50, 60 in a few seconds with these things. So the, this is out of control. It has now become a medical as well as a societal issue. And I think you'll hear a lot of the medical organizations saying these things need to come off the street. Uh, and uh, the people who have them, we need to know who they are. But we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll go from there. And, John, thank you so much for your comment. Keep thinking about it. Vicksburg has a major gun issue, just like Jackson and the other metropolitan areas. And uh, you certainly have had your experience with tragedy down there with with gun violence. So thank you for your call. Hey, we'd love to have your call or your email at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. It's all things on the table today. We'd love to talk to you about coffee, gun violence, or uh, your heartbeat or whatever's on your mind. Just give us a call and let's go to Purvis and Linda. Hey, Linda. Hello, how are you? We're better since you called. I was getting lonely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm not talking to somebody, I am just flat lonely. I hear you. <laughs> uh, we don't like that. Now, no. there's no reason to be lonely. You know, well, well, there's no reason, but a lot of us are. I, don't, you know, I'm a geriatrician, so I see a lot of people who are lonely. And alone, there's a difference between being lonely and alone. You can be alone and not lonely. The kind of loneliness I have is not when I'm alone because I'm so rarely alone uh, that I don't have time to think about it. But uh, we'll talk about loneliness uh, some other time. You've got another issue. What's going on? All right. Yes, I've been listening to some of my friends, and we are geriatrics or seniors, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Very young healthy, very active. Right. But many of the ladies have been saying that they are like foggy headed, um, not real clear, not actually dizzy falling down, but don't seem to have the balance they did in the past. Mm-hmm. And some are being treated with progesterone. Uh huh. And they said it's working marvelously. It will work marvelously in twenty percent of them. That's okay. a placebo effect. Everybody, if you take any any therapy and give it to folks, 20% of them will have a very positive response. And we don't understand the placebo effect. It doesn't mean they're crazy or necessarily uh, suggestive. Uh, we just don't understand it. And when we do understand it, we're going to use it. But right now we don't. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you're, you're talking about more than one thing associated with aging. Uh, it is normal neurologically for people as they get older <clears throat> to develop what's called disequilibrium syndrome. Disequilibrium syndrome. You can look that up if you want to. And that is this feeling of being unstable in space, just not having your feet on the ground. It's a balance. There's a balance piece in there. There's also a comprehension of where you are in space, and uh, that is frequently uh, a component of this brain fog. 
which is what all my patients tell me they have, brain fog, um, that that come in complaining about this. And uh, here's the good news. Tai Chi uh, and some other exercise programs like yoga uh, can, have been shown to be quite effective in improving this. And uh, so that's one thing. And the best place to find out if that is your issue is to see a physical therapist. And some of them are taking self-referrals. Sometimes you have to get a doctor referral. It's usually better to get a doctor referral if your insurance has that, and most of them do, because that way it'll be paid for. But uh, disequilibrium or a propensity uh, to fall, which people with disequilibrium have, is a very important issue. Another thing that will cause brain fog in seniors, I'm going to get to your progesterone in just a minute, um, is sleep apnea. As we get older, uh, everything goes south, if you know what I mean. Uh, all of our tissues you know, sort of flop down, we get wrinkles, we get jowl problems, we get uh, neck prolapse, skin, flabby skin everywhere. And we also get a flabby pharynx, the back of our mouth. If you look in the back of your mouth, you'll see there's a palate up there and a uvula that hangs down. And that thing flops. And when you lay down, then that obstructs your airway and gives you loud snoring and sleep apnea. That is a big, big problem in seniors, especially seniors with weight problems, is sleep apnea, and that is associated with brain fog. Another thing that happens, especially in women, by the way, we have open lines at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm Dr. Rick, and this is Southern Remedy, and I'm talking to Miss Linda and Purvis about postmenopausal treatments, and we'd love to have your call. Our lines are open right now. So I was talking about brain fog component of postmenopausal symptoms, and so. Uh, one of them, one component is disequilibrium, and that can be treated with these exercise programs, and they aren't really exercise that much. They're stability-type stability, uh, uh, programs. Uh, to, they're not workouts. Uh, secondly, uh, the sleep apnea. And so if someone has brain fog, then uh, frequently uh, these are older people. They may be single, uh, widows or widowers. Uh, and we ask actually people to put a recorder by their bedside uh, and or they can use their phone and uh, right when they go to sleep because it usually starts immediately when you go to sleep. You don't have to have a 12-hour tracing or something to figure it out. Uh, turn it on and listen if you start having this loud so-called glutteral snoring. It sounds like this. And then all of a sudden you stop. And this stop is the apneic, the part that where you don't breathe. And so you go and don't breathe. And your oxygen level goes way down until you toss and turn and wake yourself up. There's an epidemic of this in overweight seniors that's causing a lot of that. And then the last thing I want to mention, all there are many more, is when women in particular uh, have autoimmune thyroiditis called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It's not a 
connective tissue disease like lupus. It's an autoimmune condition where you make antibodies to your thyroid, and it kills your thyroid off over a period of years, basically just burns it out. And that shows up frequently uh, in seniors and is missed. So another thing that can be helpful uh, is to check your thyroid functions. Those are the three biggest, quickest fixed problems that cause brain fog in seniors. So there, there you go. Let's talk about hormone replacement. Uh, we used to give everybody estrogen and progesterone combinations, and the study showed that that, that increased your incidence of breast cancer. Uh, we used to think that estrogen was uh, prevented heart attacks. It doesn't. That was uh, another uh, statistical issue. Uh, so we don't use estrogen. So some people have decided to take progesterone, uh, which is one of the, you know, there are two hormones. The estrogen goes down and the progesterone goes up, and that's the way you have your periods uh, throughout life. And so uh, there are some risks with progesterone as well. Uh, and But if you're having menopausal symptoms, that is one of the few um, indications for hormone therapy. Your gynecologist is all over this and understands the risk and benefits. And most internist and family medicine people are up on this as well. Uh, so it, it might not be a bad thing if you don't have some reason, if you're a healthy senior, like you mentioned, uh, to talk with your doctor about this. And first, you've got to quantitate, quantitate what your symptoms are. You have to keep a log every day for a couple of weeks about whatever it is that you think is hormone-related. And then after you start on the medicine, grade it 1 to 10, how bad it is, 10 being awful, 1 being nothing. And then you go on the progesterone or whatever else your doctor approves, because it is a prescription, and you do the same thing, 1 to 10 every day, and you see if it, can actually, if it actually works. And that's the way to find out if the risk is worth the benefit. Is that helpful at all, Linda? I may have been totally off base. Um, it pretty much summarizes most of the things that I have thought and heard over the years. And the, the brain fog seems to be what these seniors are saying might be seasonable with the allergies and things. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? It could be because when uh, your nose is stopped up, your sleep apnea gets worse. But when your nose is stopped up, your sleep is not efficient. Anybody that has nasal obstruction, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people get without allergies, uh, it causes uh, abnormal sleep patterns, and you don't get restful sleep. It's called inefficient sleep. So, yeah, that can do it, too. And a topical nasal steroid like Flonase or Beconase or anybody's nace you want to talk about can be very helpful okay. uh, with that. How's that? Well, I appreciate it. And when I go to our Tai Chi and yoga class tomorrow, which is where these ladies are. 
Oh, I will let them know you think they're doing a wonderful job. That is so terrific. That is great. Thank you so much for your call, and thank you for taking care of yourself because you keep the Medicare costs down by being healthy. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Dr. Vick. Bye-bye. Thanks for your call. Hey, let's go to your house. If you give us a call at 1-877-672-7464, we'll even go to your car. So give us a call or send us an email. Let's go to Ocean Springs and Eric. Hey, Eric, what's on your mind? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I had a question real quick about uh, for your opinion um, regarding gun violence from a medical point of view. Because, you know, you might not know that up until the mid-'80s, you could buy full, every law-abiding citizen could buy full, fully automatic machine guns, and we didn't have this kind of issue, apparently. Um, and I was wondering, you know, what, in your opinion, may have changed since then? Is it how we handle me- mental health patients that we don't have institutions anymore or... or you know, what might be uh, something that's, from a medical point of view, aggravating, you know? That's a really, really good point that you're making, and I think you know the answer, but I'm glad you reminded me to comment on it in the, in an appropriate context when we're talking about guns. Used to be there uh, people with mental disorders uh, were hospitalized for inpatient treatment and evaluation, And they would put people who had depression uh, or anxiety, severe anxiety, uh, or psychoses, in some cases, personality disorders. And that's what most of these people have are personality disorders. That is a different psychiatric classification. Unfortunately, personality disorders like narcissistic personality disorder, uh, which we see a lot of right now, uh, those are don't respond to drugs and are very difficult to treat. But anyway, used to, if you went to your doctor, even a general doctor like me or a psychiatrist, you could be hospitalized for evaluation and a team of social workers, clinical psychologists, and others would evaluate you, make a diagnosis, see if there was a medical therapy, put you on it, and observe you before you left. That's all gone. You can't do Nobody pays for that. All of mental health has been moved, for most part, uh, to the outpatient setting, and there are, uh, and, and reimbursement for it is one, among the lowest pediatricians, general doctors, Psychiatrists are among the neurologists uh, are among the the lowest paid doctors. So, um, and I mean they're they're paid well. They make over a hundred thousand dollars a year, but compared to other doctors, they make much less. And so, not many people want to go into that because of financial. Uh, problems and there aren't many of those doctors and nobody pays for the services anymore and so we have a dysfunctional mental health system and I don't care what you hear Mississippi's is very dysfunctional uh, and underfunded uh, underfunded like you wouldn't believe just like the Department of Public Health is underfunded and that that is a very poor strategy because you end up uh, using more resources and costing the state more money by underfunding the Department of Health and the Department of Mental Health. Uh, so it, it's really not uh, a wise way to economize. And we've got some folks that just really don't care about those people in our legislature. 
which is uh, another issue. So we we can talk about that at, on some other forum. But you are correct. The lack of mental health diagnostic and treatment facilities has definitely contributed to this gun violence issue. I, I don't think it is the major problem, but I do think it is a major factor. And uh, there's also a hesitancy of the school po- folks to report these kids because they're afraid that their parents will sue them uh, and all kinds of other issues. So I think that if there's legislation for this, it's going to have to look at protecting people who report people that they suspect uh, have uh, risky behaviors, uh, including teachers and other people uh, and so forth. But we don't want to end up like North Korea where we have somebody watching everybody else. You know, in North Korea, people are assigned to groups, and there's a group watcher uh, for them, and they report on their behavior. If you look at what's happened in the uh, Olympics, they have these reporters. You'll see all these kids, and then you'll see these guys sitting in a circle behind them on TV. Well, those are the watchers. They they watch and report on their behavior, and we don't want that kind of society. So I don't have all the answers, but I appreciate your call. And I, I think the more we talk about this, not just on radio, but in our church groups and community groups and so forth, the quicker we're going to get to some kind of decision about what to do with it. So, Eric, thanks for making that point, and, and I appreciate uh, your call. Let's go to your house. Give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four seven four six four. And in the interim, we'll go to Rock Creek and Greeland. Hey, hey, is it Greeland or is that how you say your name? Yes, sir, it is. That's a great name. Is that a family name? Yes, sir. That is a beautiful name. Was that a last name in your family? No, sir. It was the first name of my two grandfathers. Where'd they come up with that? I took Roger Gray and Lion Gray, Lion William. Oh, hot dog. So that was your great-grandfather or something like that, huh? Right, right. Well, it's a beautiful name, and I now know that a lot of ladies listening are writing it down uh, to suggest for the baby's uh, name suggestion. By the way, I came up with 15 high-priority names for grandchildren, and I only had takers for six, and none of them took the ones I suggested. But I did get six grandkids out of trying to get names fixed. So there you go. That's good. What's on your mind? I had a TIA last week. Oh, no. This is the second one I've had, and I want to know how come I keep having them. Okay. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you have high blood pressure? Yes. Is it controlled? Yes. Re- 120 over 80 or lower? It was one, well, I'm on physical therapy now. It was 130 this morning. Uh-huh. 30 something. It's normally about that. Yeah. Okay, well, 130 or, or less is on the top one is acceptable. We try to get down to 120. The bottom one is okay? Uh, they tell me it is. Okay, it's supposed to be 130 over 80 or 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 less 
And you get much over 80 on the bottom one, you need to have that fixed. And if you get much over 130, if you get over 130, you need to have the top fixed. So let me ask you another question. Do you have a cholesterol problem? Do you know what your LDL is, bad cholesterol? I really don't. Okay, you got to find that out, okay? Because we're now putting just about everybody that has had a TIA on a statin, like pravastatin, which is the cheapest one, because we want your LDL down around 70, just like people have had heart attacks. Uh, And the statins not only lower your LDL, but they affect the epithelium, the lining of the blood vessels in your heart and in your brain. And we're finding that that is helpful. So you you need to uh, check and make sure that your LDL is low. That's a bad cholesterol, LDL, low-density lipoprotein, and, uh, and ask your doctor if you don't need to be on a statin regardless. Um, I know somebody very close to me has had a TIA, and, and that's very important uh, to get that low. So, and then get your blood pressure low, so forth. And the third thing, of course, is an aspirin. And did you have the second one after you started aspirin? Yes, sir. Okay. So what anticoagulant are you on now? Still aspirin? Still aspirin. Uh-huh. And you were taking the aspirin regularly? Yes, sir, oh. every day. So it may be that they want to put you on some other anticoagulant. Uh, to look for this. Did they get an ultrasound of your carotid arteries? I'm sure they did. They did everything else. Well, you got you to gotta take charge here. Doctors ain't perfect, all right? So right. take charge of this situation. You got to find out why you had it in the first place. And a very, very common problem in seniors is plaque. You know, grunge in your carotid arteries in your neck. You should have had a carotid ultrasound. It doesn't hurt. They just put a little uh, stuff on there and and buzz it with a radar. The other thing is that will do this is a problem with your heart. So you should have had an echo, a cardiac echo. They did that. Good. Did you see a neurologist? Oh, good. Did you see a neurologist? Not yet, but I got to. Yeah, you got to, and you got to quick. Okay, because you have a complex disorder. The biggest risk for a stroke is repetitive TIAs. So you are at very high risk for a major stroke. You probably need, you definitely need to be on a statin. You need to be on an aspirin. You may need to be on another anticoagulant. Did they image your uh, the blood vessels in your head? They took two CTs and an MRI. Okay. Sounds like you got all the information you need now to go see your neurologist. Okay. And I am on a statin. I believe it's an atorvastatin. That yeah, that's a good one. Atorvastatin. Yeah. That's Lipitor. 80 milligrams. How much? 80? Uh, 80. Well, you may need to be moved up to Crestor. That is an intermediate strength uh, lipid-lowering agent. And in order to get your cholesterol down as low as it needs to be, they may need to move you up to Crestor, 
Uh huh. But it, uh-huh. it may be that it's fixed. I don't know. But uh, if you're still having TIAs, you need to check on that. If you want uh-huh. some more information on this, if you will send me an email at southernremedy uh, at mpbonline.org or have one of your relatives do that, I will send you a whole bunch of information about TIAs, okay? Okay. Great Thank to talk to much. you. And I wrote the Greeland name down. Greeland Thanks. name. That's a great one. Let's go Bye. to Mobile and Kenzie. Hey, Kenzie. Hello. What's happening? Uh, not much, man. Uh, first of all, I, I want to say thanks for, for the conversation on uh, the, you know, the guns and everything. It, it, it seems like it's a, it's a, a, a difficult conversation to hold down here. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I lived in Mobile for nine years, and it's one of my favorite places on earth. I just love Mobile and, and the Eastern Shore and so forth. It's just a wonderful place. But there is a major gun violence problem in Mobile as well, and children are being shot down there. And, uh, you know, it's going to take the community to stand up like these kids are doing to address this. I hope every kid in every high school in the country takes this on as an issue uh, because there's somebody is spineless somewhere uh, and not not dealing with this. And it's just not it can't go on like this. We can't keep killing our kids. Oh, definitely, definitely. The, the money tends to, to tends to weaken the spine. Well, yes, uh, you. I think you have a point. Uh, I, I didn't think of that, but I'll include that in my orthopedic lecture. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I, I'm really enjoying the conversation. Uh, you mentioned Tai Chi earlier and yoga. Uh, are, are you familiar with uh, Qigong? It's, no. Uh, pr- pretty much two. Is that a is that a drink with a with an olive and a? Uh, does it have an umbrella and an olive in it? <laughs> I, it's, it's basically the tai, uh, tai Chi was originated from Qigong, and uh, it's a form of yoga that came from India and wow. its way to China. Does anybody know uh, teach it? Or uh... Uh, well, well, that that's the thing. It's 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 really popular for seniors. It's slow movement. It, it's you know yoga basic. Huh. Like uh, all the movements are coordinated with the breath, and it, it gets uh, uh, your chi, so to speak, uh, flowing in the body. Well, thank you for that. Is it? C H E or C E? How do you spell it? Oh uh, no, it's Q I Q I Q I. What? Say the second part. Q I G O N G. Okay, so our people can Google that. Yes, definitely. And uh, there's there's places around that. Uh, there's the Meditation Center uh, of Alabama here in Mobile. Uh huh. And uh, we, we we practice it there. Wow, fantastic! Well, thank you so much. You educated me. I get more education here than any textbook. So thanks a million for your call. Yes, sir. Thank thank you for your program. Great. Thank you. Let's go to Colliersville, Tennessee, a lovely place. Hey, Peggy, what's going on at your town? Oh, it's raining. (laughs) And we're going to get a lot of it, I heard. Yes, we are. Yeah. Big time. We've gotten a lot of it all this spring. We're all going to have water wings pretty soon. Yeah. I'm having trouble with, I believe it's the TMJ joint. Yes, ma'am. Your jaw joint. Yes, ma'am. Started popping several weeks ago. And I'm not sure, are you supposed to go to your dentist, uh, your doctor? Who do you go to about finding out what's going on is it popping out of joint it no but when like when i i take a bite of something uh-huh. it'll, it'll pop and i i noticed it um like 
almost a month and a half ago. And um, some days it'll just kind of be worse, and some days it's not particularly painful. Okay. But I don't want it to get worse because I'm assuming it's some kind of old age arthritis. Well, it may be something (laughs) simpler than that. I'm an expert on dentistry. Because I have a daughter-in-law who's a dentist. That's that's Very the only good. way. Uh, but uh, the TMJ joint uh, is a joint that is uh, significantly affected by the alignment of your teeth. Okay. And as we get older, our teeth get out of alignment like everything else goes south. Our gums go south and our teeth uh, okay. stick up in different ways than they would. And most often... Uh, the dentist can fix this. They do a bite test. They have you uh, bite down on this piece of paper that colors uh, your teeth, and they can tell whether your bite is aligned appropriately. And so okay. if your molars are too prominent and you've lost the support for them on the front of your teeth or vice versa, they can do some very simple uh, things to help you deal with this problem and prevent developing osteoarthritis in that joint. So okay. your dentist is definitely the go-to person first. Okay. And um, now uh, let me just tell you, there are some people who are, quote, TMJ specialist, yeah. and they, they sell a lot of products and all this kind of stuff and make a lot of money. So you got to be careful who you go to, whether it be dentists or doctors or ENT people or whoever right. else. So uh, I would take a look at this. Uh, if you'll send me an email, I'll send you some info on this. But I would take okay. a look at the routine treatments. And okay. the root, routine treatments are, one, dental evaluation, and secondly, sometimes a mouthpiece that you wear at night. But, you know, you okay. don't want to have anybody operate on your TMJ joint unless okay. you've gotten two opinions from an uh, oral surgeon, okay? I don't let anybody operate on me without two opinions. Stay, stay away from that. You know, yeah. uh, it works in some awful conditions. We have a lot of people with rheumatoid arthritis that have this problem, but we try to keep them away from the surgeons unless it's absolutely necessary, okay? All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. And, you know, I thought we might get somebody from the eastern shore of Alabama. I thought it would be Fairhope, but it's point clear, who would call up and give me an amen on my coffee presentation. And it looks like Beth is called. I'm holding my breath uh, since she's from point clear as to whether she's going to say something positive about coffee or something negative. Okay, Beth, it's your turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm really a positive person. Okay. Um, no, I, I just can't believe nobody's made a comment, but I think it's because coffee drinkers are just going to do whatever they want to do anyway. I am not an anti-coffee person uh, per se, but I just wanted to comment that 20 years ago, right after I turned 50, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. Oh, my goodness. Has, Sorry. It has been a... Um, a, a you know, quite a road. But anyway, yes. um, the, one of the things that my cardiologist told me at the very beginning that one of the four things that I needed to avoid was caffeine. Mm. And I have never been a coffee drinker only because I don't like the taste, but I do drink a lot of tea and a lot of uh, really bad stuff like Dr. Pepper. Yeah. But anyway, 
But it's a diet. You drink the diet one. It's it's not as bad. Yeah. But it's one of those things that, especially as I have gotten older, I do find that if I drink more than a small amount of caffeine that my heart will race. I can feel it. But I just, you know, think that anybody who has a heart problem should be very careful about that. I do drink decaffeinated tea now. Uh, I can't tell the difference. Um, My husband says he can. But anyway, I just feel like caffeine has been one of the four things I was told to avoid, and yeah. I, have, I have done a good job. Thank of you it. so much for that call. And, and I'm, are you doing okay with your congested heart failure? I'm doing great. I have an LVAD heart pump that oh, I got at, wonderful. at UAB, and yes. uh, can't say enough wonderful things about them. But um, anyway, I, I'm, my quality of life is excellent. Well, I'll tell you a secret. My son uh, was over there for a year in that program. He's a heart failure transplant specialist now working in Nashville. I love and it. Yeah. you know the UAB program is one of the world's class class programs in heart failure and people don't know with a heart failure that there are people trained as heart failure specialists and you have a significant number of these in Alabama because of that program at UAB. So I am so pleased that you got there, and we've got lots of people who are using LVADs, uh, left ventricular assistive devices, as uh, therapy now, not having a transplant or waiting for a transplant, whatever, and doing very well. So you are blessed to be in Alabama, and say thank you so much. And let me respond to your coffee comments. You're right. There are certain people with certain diseases hyperthyroidism uh, uh, is one that comes to mind. Heart failure is another one that might have, uh, that causes, uh, caffeine causes increased cardiac work. It increases your heart rate and the force of contraction of your ventricle. We used to use theophylline to treat asthma, uh, which is a component of, a minor component of coffee. Uh, and that would really do it. So, yeah, if you have an underlying medical condition, you should always let your doctor know what you're eating and drinking. Uh, the good thing is that is that decaffeinated coffee. Now, I know not all the caffeine is out of decaffeinated coffee. I will tell you, I have migraines, and I can tell you how much caffeine is in any particular drink because it either induces a, a, a migraine in me or makes it better depending on how much is in there. But decaffeinated coffee was just as effective in this study uh, as three to five cups per day uh, in, uh, in having a, a positive effect as was caffeinated. So it ain't the caffeine in there. It's some other something in there, probably, you know, the same thing that uh, they've isolated, something similar to what they've isolated from wine. So, I know you got a lot of wine stores over there in Point Clear. That's something you really need to avoid, alcohol, if you have heart failure. So I'm sure you're off of that. But I won't tell anybody you sneak a, uh, a Dr. Pepper from time to time. Beth, thank you for your call. We appreciate it very much. It's been great being with you here uh, another week on Southern Remedy. Uh, we'll take any questions you have during the week on our email. That's uh, Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. This is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.